Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibbyverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z-ZIBBY20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white, open, long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out, Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. Ondrila Mukherjee is the author of The Dream Builders, a novel. Ondrila is an associate professor of creative writing at Grand Valley State University. She grew up in Kolkata, India, and resides in Grand Rapids, Michigan. 
Welcome, Owen Drilla. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Dream Builders, a novel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be on your podcast. Oh, it was so much fun to read this book. As I was just mentioning, I carried it with me all of the December break and could dip into different characters' lives. It was really wonderful to be able to sort of ride on the shoulders of one and then like jump over and ride on the shoulders of the next one and just keep going with all these different perspectives. So it was really great. And I was so captivated by all of it. So anyway, I loved it. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. You liked it. Maybe you should describe it better than I did though. (laughs) No, you did. You did great. So the Dream Builders, which comes out a week from today, actually, is set in a fictional Indian city called Rishipur, which is known for its real estate developments and upscale malls and corporate headquarters. And it's a very Americanized and rapidly Americanizing city, especially on the surface. And the story is told from the point of view of 10 different characters who belong to very different social and economic backgrounds. The first character we meet is Vanika Roy, a college professor in a U.S. college town in the Midwest. She goes back to India after an interval of six years following her mother's death. And she finds herself in this new city, Rishipur, where she's pretty startled because it's very different from the gentle, laid-back, historic city, Calcutta, where she grew up. And it's also very different from Heathersfield, which is where she lives now. And soon after she gets there, she gets invited to a party by an old high school acquaintance, Ramona. And she goes to the party, and that's where she meets a lot of the other characters. I think the only other thing I would mention is that on the surface, it seems like everyone's life is really glamorous and privileged and exciting. But there are a lot of invisible people in Rishipur, migrant workers and the chauffeurs and maids and electricians who really keep the city functioning. And so we get this mix of characters. And ultimately, as we keep reading, I hope people realize that everybody has a lot in common. They've all come to Rishipur from somewhere else. They all have secrets that they are keeping and they all want something that they cannot have. Wow. Well, that was a much better description. So thank you for that. (laughs) You know, I have to say, I often don't read the back copy of a book when I start it. I'm just like, okay, here I go. And let's see what happens. And so I was surprised when I kept going in all the different directions. And I was like, oh, I'm sure we're going right back to Manika. Like, wait, what happened to Manika? But then as I realized that that was the intention, I found it so interesting. And like you said, the electrician, I mean, I am so horrified by like the sketchiness of the man and like that one day when they lost power and then what happened later with the, I mean, the characters are so richly drawn and yes, you took us all over from like the most posh living rooms to, you know, the dirtiest cars to, I mean, it's everywhere. We, it's like, you're our tour guide in this fictional city. So it was pretty cool. And I, I also particularly loved the chapter from the point of view of the facialist slash facial massage. What's her name? Binky. 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 And her life and her level of pain that she lived with and the piece of fish curry or whatever the dish was that really like made her whole life, improved her life, just the value of that one piece of fish that that Monika brought her. I mean, it's really amazing. So I don't know, maybe start off by talking about her or where, which character did you start this whole maze, this web from? Like, where did it come? Where did it start for you? 
Yeah. I don't know. That was a lot of questions. Yeah, no, that's great. Actually, you know, um, I could talk about Pinky because that is a chapter that a modified version of it, like a, as a standalone short story, was published in Ecotone magazine. It's the only chapter that's actually been published as and, and was published as a story. And I think it was definitely at the time um, when it was published because I was working on it with the editor of the magazine, it definitely was the strongest chapter and the most polished chapter. And it sort of set the bar for the rest of <laughs> when I went back to edit it. But she was not the first person that I came up with. Initially, when I began this book, I've been thinking about it and kind of researching it for a while, but I really didn't start writing it until 2016. And I only had Manika. It was a completely different book. It was only from her point of view and maybe her mother's point of view, who's not even alive now in the book. And it was alternating between past and present, Calcutta and this city and mother and daughter. And I did have Ramona. I had that party scene. The first chapter was there and I took it to the Suwani Writers Conference. And that was the only chapter that actually I had for a while. And then everything I wrote subsequently, I threw away. <laughs> In 2018, I threw everything else away. And then I started over just keeping that first chapter. And the people that were there were Manika, Ramona, Ashok, Salil, and Jessica, but not in the current iterations of them. You know, Salil was really obnoxious and sketchy, uh, not really fully realized, but they were kind of there. But I, you know, that's how it started. But it was a totally different book. And then in 2018, I have a writer's group that was reading it and they read the first chapter. Everybody seemed to like and they said there's a lot of potential here. And then the second chapter they read, you know, was about Manic and Ashok. And they were like, nothing's happening in this book. You know, <laughs> what? what is the plot? And honestly, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I wasn't able to keep going because I was just writing a lot, but it wasn't going anywhere. There was no shape to it mm -hmm. because I didn't really know what the story was. You know, I just had a background. I had a, I had a situation but I didn't have any destination, whatever. And I'd been working on it for a couple of years. So uh, when they said that, I really had a moment where I was like, maybe I can't write fiction. Forget it. Maybe this is it. I can't do it. I can't do a novel. And then I just thought of somebody asked me, one of the people in the group asked me, can you summarize in one sentence what, what the book is going to be about? And then when I summarized it, I realized I wanted it to be about the city and more than even about one person. And I honestly, at the time, I didn't know what to do with just Manica for 300 pages. I didn't have enough, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but I knew what to do with all the individual characters for a little bit. And so it began from that limitation that I had at the time, but then it became a kind of strength of the novel where I just got more and more excited about each of the characters and how they interconnected and intersected. So I don't know if that's a very, that's probably a very long-winded way of answering your question. I, I like long-winded. That's the whole point is to like <laughs> hear from authors. Well, I, I do feel like it was about the city and I, I, I feel like the looming Trump Tower, the build of that was, you know, such a symbol for so much of the changing times in India, the changing culture, the changing, you know, the world power relationships and, and things that are out of their control. One interesting part was the setup of the story, how Monica's parents bought this dream apartment and then got to the city and it 
never got built and it was a whole swindle and and it sort of set a bad tone on the city and the dash dreams of so many people in that city in cities in general i don't know i feel like i i, I feel like you did a really nice job with that element of it and having the, the city become its own character thank you yeah i mean dash dreams is really important because I mean, the title, of course, came much later, but I just wanted to deal with aspirations. You know, it's a very aspirational city and an aspirational society in, in this book, not all of India, but just in this book. And everybody has different aspirations, but they're kind of, they all go back to material aspirations in the end. And what happens when when your expectations are not met? And it's I guess it's not just material because it's even expectations that you have of places, the expectations that Manika had as an immigrant when she came to America and then she finds herself somewhere different, you know, the expectations that uh, she has of Rishipur, you know, when she gets there. So it's it's all kinds of expectations. And I'm really interested in exploring the emotion of disappointment. Mm. I think that's my favorite emotion to write about because disappointment means you really build things up you really hope and anticipate so there's a lot of drama there right but then when things don't go the way that you want them to there is that moment you know if it's a child who really wants something even if it's a little thing like mm -hmm. a candy bar and then you're like you can't have another one you yeah. know it's just that moment of crushing disappointment versus someone who's disappointed that their marriage didn't work out or that, you know, their chemo isn't working, like something huge and massive versus something little. But in that moment, disappointment can be so powerful, you know, and it's just it's just an emotion that I've realized I really love to write about. And if if I'm struggling, I'll just think of something that somebody could be disappointed by. And I think that's what it happens a lot. But there's also hope, right? I hope that it's not all doom and gloom because it wasn't supposed to be. I feel like there are moments of redemption and hope. I love the idea of writing all about the effects of a particular emotion. Like that's such a good writing exercise in general, right? Write six stories with everybody experiencing blah, blah, you know, embarrassment. Like that would also, right? I, I, I interviewed the author Chris Bajelian a long time ago, and he said all of his books have, the main theme is a combination of something that I can't remember right now and dread. <laughs> and I, I, that really stuck with me because I'm like, dread, how often do I feel dread? What do I feel dread about? And he's like built all of his books around it. And now you're saying disappointment. It's really, it's just, I thought it's really interesting. Even just an essay or a story or a scene. Yeah. Dread is great too. Cause it's again, so dramatic, right? Yes. Building up suspense. Yes. Maybe humiliation instead of embarrassment. That sounds better. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? That would be good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so powerful, right? And then how do you cope with it? How do different people cope with it? Mm -hmm. People put up a brave front. You know, some people pretend it didn't happen. Some people totally own it and tweet about it. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, yeah. I really feel like we had that experiment in the pandemic. Right. We had a situation that caused dread and caused fear and panic. And then we got to watch in real time as everybody in on the planet dealt with it differently. Like the people who did all the research, you know, like the people who just like became 
scientists and learned everything they could. And then the people who like threw themselves into their cooking or their work as a stay-at-home mom or the teaching, people who couldn't read, people who read so much. Yes. I find that, I also find that fascinating. The people, different people's responses to basically the same situation or the same feeling. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, I think I wanted to do that with Trump Towers. Just mm-hmm. in terms of the construction, you know, it doesn't matter whose name is attached to it. It matters to some of the characters, but what matters to me is it was an American name, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. more than anything else. And of course, it's the summer of 2018. So that has some implications. I did actually see a sign one day when I was driving, when I was being driven from um, this city where my parents used to live, which is sort of the real life inspiration for Rishipur, Gurgaon. And I was going to Delhi and I saw this sign. It said, Trump has arrived, have you? And it was an ad for one of the Trump Towers, not in that city, but somewhere else. And that was a defining moment for me. I was like, now I know what to do with my novel. Now I know how it can move forward because just the name, the branding, the tantalizing question at the end, sort of challenging and teasing people, the word arrived, which is also so loaded. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just that sort of just really, yeah. So everyone's reaction to that, to that advertisement, to that construction is different. And how could it, how could it not be? Right. So it's interesting. So basically the takeaway there is when you're driving and you (laughs) keep your eyes peeled for billboards because you never know where your inspiration will next hit. Yeah. This is true. This is true. I actually got a lot from movies and, you know, social media posts and because I haven't lived in India for 20 in 20 years. You know, I go back a lot. I've spent, you know, before the pandemic, I used to spend months at a time, summers, my entire sabbatical um, and I talk to people a lot. My parents still live there, so I talk to them a lot. But I also have to keep a finger on the pulse of what's happening. You have to know what everyone is kind of thinking, as many people as possible, uh, and not just in an echo chamber, not just in your bubble. 
And so just listening to what people are saying, even people you don't agree with or who may not have that much in common with you is really fascinating, you know, to capture the pluralism of a place Mm -hmm. and a community. I liked how you also made Ramona, who theoretically should have been the happiest if we equate sort of wealth and happiness as like a, you know, like a, yeah. a, a graph, like of I'm, I'm drawing a graph yeah, because I can't sure. think of the words. But anyway, but, but in fact, she is the loneliest and is sitting inside this beautiful apartment, which still isn't enough for her, right? They right. still are aspiring to something even better. And her the trappings of her life and her husband just sending her gifts to make right. up for his deficiencies and all of that. And yet that doesn't make her happy either. So, and then people who are far happier, although nobody is particularly happy, I would right. say. Yeah, yeah. And it's not even just wealth, right? She's very attractive. Yes, and yes, of course. Has the pedigree and she has uh, the friends, you yeah. know. Queen Bee yeah. social status. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, I don't even know if she, if that is not enough for her or if it's a substitute for some mm. of the other things, right? Like, I, I don't even know if she, she doesn't really want the bigger home. Like right. she does, but why? I mean, it's, uh, I don't even know. I don't think she's actually as shallow as she might appear. It's a way of compensating, you know, mm-hmm. like retail therapy. is. It, it's really yes. supposed to be some sort of therapy for her. Yeah. Which, yeah, my editor actually told me that she felt the sorriest for Ramona, which is mm. very interesting. Interesting. Well, she is the most, is this true? Before I say this as a theory, the most sort of, lonely you know she's alone the i mean although the dad monica's dad is Mm -hmm. is very sad and lonely at the loss of his wife i mean that was that you wrote really it's really heartbreaking you know (laughs) even the complicated feelings of losing someone who is a difficult personality that which we don't often read about either yeah they're all very complicated they're all pretty messed up and flawed (laughs) at times at times and then at other times uh, I think most of us are. I certainly am. You know, it's it's interesting you mentioned loneliness because that's another. Um, I don't know if that's an emotion. Mm. Uh, I guess it is a situation too. But that's also something that I'm very very drawn to, just creatively. You know, and as someone who's moved a lot, and you know, I was. I think I was quite lonely as a child. I read one of your pieces about being really shy. Oh, thank you. And and I was thinking, yeah, you know, that's, I was an only child and my parents moved a lot. And every time I made some friends, I I had to move. And I've lived in 10 cities in my life and, you know, just being an immigrant and then the pandemic, I I live alone. It's loneliness is a really powerful thing. It can be very beautiful too. It can be very... It can make you reflect and think deeply and, you know, write, <laughs> make you write. But just the idea, the image of someone very lonely in a crowd, you go to a party and everybody's having a good time and there's one person, you know, you don't even know for sure if they're lonely or they're stuck up or, you know, yep. but they're in a corner and it's just so poignant. I think it's just a very poignant emotion and situation. So I think they're all kind of lonely in their own way. You know, most of the characters, certainly the electrician. I don't want to say too much to spoil it, but he's he's pretty lonely too. You know. Yeah. Well. (laughs) Yeah, loneliness is like 
I feel like it's the hardest to fix. Also, that it's so linked to the sort of fundamental human condition, right? They say that it, it, it can like shorten your lifespan, essentially, if you don't have enough of a network or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not by, I would think, most people's choosing to not have a network. And then you're like, well, and in addition to that, I'm going to die earlier. It's It's loaded. Yeah. You know, I have to say, though, sometimes when I'm like, when I have lots of appointments or lots of things going on, I kind of miss being lonely. Mm, interesting. I miss the loneliness. I don't, it's, it's hard to explain. I don't, I don't know why that would have to be unpacked yes. by, <laughs> by some therapy, with some therapy. But yeah, I just wish I could, I, I like being, wallowing in it, I think. Huh. Well, it, being alone is not necessarily lonely. Yeah, but I just mean even feeling lonely. I like even miss feeling lonely. Huh. It's really strange, right? It's, uh, yeah. It's, well, maybe it's, that's like your natural set point and it makes you feel at home if that's the way you grew up. Or I don't know, maybe there's something yeah. familiar. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how lonely I was. I certainly didn't have a lot of friends all the time, but it did make me want to read a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's something very, I don't know, bittersweet or just sweet about about it too. I feel like lonely people or people who say they're lonely are also quite interesting, Mm. you know? So maybe it is just solitude. Maybe it's just a certain kind of complicated love for solitude that I am confusing with the negative emotions of loneliness, but it's just something fun to explore in in writing. Mm. Yeah, I think you're going to have to... Book some appointments around that one. <laughs> but it's it's very interesting. Are you working on anything now? Oh, you know, there's so little time, to be honest. Like my book's coming out next week. It's also coming out in Australia in March and the UK in July and India later this year. Oh my gosh. And I also teach full-time, you know, I'm at university. My semester is beginning on Monday, the day before the book launch as well. Wow. So it's very difficult usually to write during the semesters anyway. And with the book and the book tour that's coming up and all the interviews I'm doing this week and all the promotions, it's very difficult to do actual writing right now. But I do have two two manuscripts that I am working on. Probably shouldn't say too much about it because I'll probably end up changing my mind. But one is a story collection. It has something to do with fairy tales. And the other one is a novel, and it's quite different from this one. It definitely doesn't have so many points of view. Definitely centers around one one or two characters. Well, I mean, that's a lot on your plate. <laughs> that's a lot. I'm I'm thinking about all the publicity stuff and the full-time teaching and yeah. That might be why I'm missing the solitude. I bet. Yeah. Solitude sounds nice if you compare it to like complete overwhelm. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of texts and a lot of messages (laughs) and a lot of emails right now. Yeah. I always feel like I'm like at the net with my racket, like waiting for the emails. Like, but if I back up and I, you know, I'm back at the baseline, it's like, forget it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how you do everything you do. No, I mean, everybody, everybody's so busy in all these different ways. All of us take on so much when writing is just one piece of it that just adds this other little layer, you know. Thank you so much for coming on. As I said, you know, I really found the book so immersive and like I had gone on this whole trip and learned about 
new places and people. And that's like the power of, of a great book, right? Just takes you there. Thank you so much. I hope people who, um, you know, I don't, I hope people who aren't Indian are able to connect with the emotions and characters. That's my basic hope here. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you're from. The feelings are the same. Right. Exactly. I think, I think that's why you feel like you can, you somehow like live for a little bit in a different place and feel yeah. at home because you re- yeah. you see parts of yourself. It would be hard for someone not to see any piece of themselves right. in all all of your characters. Yeah, yeah. That's why we talked about the the, the universal emotions. Yeah, exactly. See, looping it all back, coming <laughs> full circle here in this interview. <laughs> anyway, good luck. I'm very excited for you. Thank you so much for having me. This was, it was great. my pleasure. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 